Oh, hi. Thanks for hitting play on the Melbourne Digest podcast. What an absolute legend you are. But enough of me saying lots of good things about you and time for more food chat. Now cue that jazzy intro music. Bridget Wood and I'm the host of the Melbourne Digest podcast and here's a couple of things you're going to learn in this week's episode. Number one, what green ants taste like and as an added bonus, why you want to get them when they've got a big bum. Number two, why you should have wattle seed and salt bush in your pantry and number three, where you can book a table to sample some periwinkles, wild boar and yam right here in Melbourne. And who are you going to learn this from you may ask? Well, the answer is Norni Barrow. Norni is a dead set legend and the owner of Mabu Mabu, a blossoming food empire that started with a native Australian condiment stall at South Melbourne Market and now also includes the Tuck Shop Cafe at Yarraville, the Big Esso restaurant at Fed Square, a hugely successful catering business and a range of products. So here we go, starting with our usual first question of what's your ultimate comfort food? Take it away, Norni. Hi, I'm Norni Barrow. I'm the owner of Mabu Mabu and I'm a Torres Strait Islander. I'm an island girl from up north and always will be, even though I live in the big city now um, <laughs> and own all my businesses in there. My comfort food, oh, I'm a rice girl. <laughs> I'm a rice girl, but I also, that's because of my upbringing. <laughs> you know, we didn't grow up with wheat Bix and, and Wonder White Breads. I'm a seafood girl. Like I, I grew up, you know, eating pickled octopus for breakfast those kind of things so I guess my breakfast of champions like my go-to thing is always like seafood based so <laughs> you will find me sometimes down at South Melbourne Market having a very big seafood banquet of many different things oysters to prawns to crayfish tropical craze like you know I grew up with pickled octopus in the morning and we grew up with rice and milk you know <laughs> powdered milk there's no fresh milk out there we don't have cows uh, so my life is about my upbringing and I still my go-to dishes are still like things I grew up with and those are things traditional dishes I grew up with and it always just takes me back home so I still basically eat like I grew up <laughs> <laughs> on that morning I guess where did you grow up and what was the food culture up there and how was food important to to your family and community and well uh, I mean like Growing up on a tropical island is like the most coolest thing I think I know as an adult now. You know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, my God, it's one island. But, you know, when you're older, you're like, you appreciate everything that you grew up with because I like, you know, if the apocalypse hits now, at least I know how to forage for food. Growing up on tropical islands like in the Torres Strait is that you basically grow all your own produce or you eat what's in season that comes in and you eat whatever the ocean provides for you. And like, I never went hungry. Like, you know, we might not be monetary wealthy there, you know, we're very poor, but I always had a full stomach. We we were taught to, as kids, to stay outside, come home for dinner, you know. And if you're hungry, roast a fish down the beach or, you know, pick some fruit off a tree. Like, why are you coming home for lunch? You, <laughs> you don't need to feed you 24-7 when you can get your own food. So I guess, you know, walking out on the reef and providing for yourself, for your family and for your village is about, you know, grabbing what the ocean supplies you, but also what you grow in your gardens as well. So, because I'm a yam girl, 
you know um yams are the biggest things you know i don't grow up with potatoes potatoes whatever <laughs> you know um, so yams are it you know i i remember digging up my first yam as a kid but then when you dig up your hundredth yam you're like okay i'm over it now but it's still exciting um because you got it everybody tends to their gardens and you know everything is is grown or thing and the only thing that you know you grow up with that comes off the barges that get dropped off is things like rice or powdered milk or you know it's tin goods you know so that they just add things to your pantry but pretty much you're just living off whatever the island provides and you grow up grating your own coconut and making your own coconut milk and squeezing it yourself, not coming out of a nice little can like we do here. (laughs) But it's like, it's just a normal part of life though. Mm. You don't think that it's any different. You don't think that it's child labor of you providing for yourself and your family. (laughs) You just think that this is a normal part of life. I'm lucky that I got to be raised that way and, and I got to see them go out hunting and you know, coming back in, you know, the the divisions between our traditional food as well. And, and growing up with that traditional cuisine is like really helped me in my career, but also helped me now with my business as well, because like there's this conception that thinks that Indigenous people don't have cuisine, that we all just eat grubs. But it really, we have these amazing cuisine that I grew up with and the way that they cooked it as well in these different manners because they didn't have pots or cook in underground ovens. And like I grew up with a generator. You know, the government came and put all these brick houses on some of these um, spots up there, but then went, okay, now you have to run your generators to give you power. So, you know, how are you going to support yourself when you live on a tropical island and don't have income? So uh, my dad was very entrepreneurial for his generation. He runs Um, in the family, clearly. He turned (laughs) half of our house into a tuck shop. He would make pumpkin buns and pumpkin damper and stuff, and I would deliver it before school. So we could get money to buy petrol, basically, to run the generator. So we would have lights. And if you didn't have lights, you had kerosene lamps. So you would just like walk out onto the reef with your kerosene lamp in the morning because there's no torches. You know, because batteries have to come on the bar. And you don't have Like, you know, it's a kerosene lamp you've got to take out there because the reef is all dark. You just pick fresh octopus in the morning and we would pickle the day before. So, you know, it's it's one of those cool things that I, as an adult now, really love that I grew up, you know, in that sort of manner where it's like if you're hungry, you can feed yourself. I always love knowing that in myself that, you know, uh, I didn't grow up with, riches but I feel like I was rich in a different way because I got to be raised and I never had a problem with feeding myself. And I guess Norni then how has this translated into now creating the menus for the tuck shop but also Big Esso like how are we seeing kind of some of those influences on your new menus? Well they're basically just my upbringing. (laughs) (laughs) Yams make the cut Norni is then yams on the menu? Oh, everywhere, everywhere. (laughs) There are so many yams in this place. We even go as far as making yam cocktails these days. So, you know, which will be coming up too as well. Basically, this menu that I put out for the four days that we open for (laughs) is my upbringing with periwinkles and wild boar. These are all things that I grew up with and, and some of the techniques I take from the traditional methods of how we cooked it and now changed it into a modern 
my cousins are like, I don't remember it taking that quick to make that. <laughs> and it's like, it's true. Like, you know, we have some traditional dishes that, you know, um, barely get made these days because it was always a time consuming thing. But I guess because I'm a chef, I can make it work <laughs> to elaborate and make these like traditional dishes that were like I grew up with more of a modern perspective. And also not only just our food, but where we've opened Fed Square into, you know, a whole different level of, you know, even our spirit list is all Australian and either they're sustainable, doing something for communities or small growers around Australia, or they're doing amazing things with native ingredients as well. I, I love always saying that we live on this beautiful big island and I want to expand my village even more to include this beautiful island. And this is my way of doing it. You know, I just, I constantly think my businesses is like a, an island and how do I feed the village, you know? I love it. <laughs> now, Norni, if people were looking to try and get some of these native ingredients into your pantry, I want to hear maybe your top three kind of, shall we say, gateway ingredients to get people started and on the journey and educate. Oh, three, that's simple. That's a, that's a really simple thing to do and I'd give you probably a top four. Obviously, you got you got to use the pepper berries because it's natural to us. You know, mm-hmm. it's a colder climate thing. You know, comes originally from Tasmania, but it grows well in Victoria and some of those colder bits. But I mean, that is just like the best thing you could ever use. It's got those beautiful flavors of, of almost the heat and stuff of Szechuan pepper, but it also has this cloviness that will it enhances that you can use in desserts or savory. And, and it's a natural pepper for us as well. Like, you know, you come to any of our stores and that's the only pepper you get. We don't give you any other pepper. And it is what is natural to here, to Australia. And I think we should be using more of it because it's awesome. And I know that it gets used a lot in the making of the beautiful gins we have in this country. But I think it's just something that we should we should be having in our pantries because the amazingness of it is just like, it's, it's my top. It's like my number in my top five. And then wattle seeds, obviously, because they are the amazing things that are coming up. And I've been using a lot of that with, you know, people along the way to use it in baking. And mm-hmm. because people don't understand it was, it's an acacia seed. So there's so many different colors that you can use and, and what those colors represent in cooking from. If you're using white wattles, then that's more of a multi sort of almost almond meal thing that you want to use it as a, towards your more darker seeds that, kind of give you those big coffee chocolatey flavors that comes out of it and but you can use it for savories and for sweets and for baking and 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 wattle seeds like to stand on their own as well they want to be the hero of your dish so it's one of those things that is is super cool to use because not only can it change those colors but it has so much flavor to it and stuff so i would suggest definitely try that my next one is saltbush because uh, the reason why I love it so much is because I use it fresh and dried um, and I use different types because around Australia, there's so many different types of salt bush that you can use. And it's, it's definitely salty, obviously. It's an added, a natural added salt to dishes, but people forget it's almost like oregano. It's own herb as well. So you get, you get two for one things out of it. It is just amazing to use fresh as well as dried. And, and like I said, there's so many elements to it. Mm. You know, there's so many beautiful elements to it. Those are, those are my top three, you know, that I think that people will like to use, I think, in their everyday mm. cooking. Mm. These are things that you can use in your everyday cooking and enhance your dishes to another level. 
but you know i'm also a seaweed girl and a sea succulent girl so like things like pig face which is also kakala or the most commonly one used for cooking is beach banana which is is just all under the same bracket of the name kakala and they have flowers that you can eat and leaves it's all about balance for me like balancing your um your salt intake with natural flavors and yeah. i think australian natives do like every time you use an Australian native ingredient, you're going to use less of it because you get more power pack flavor out of it. So it's a win-win situation. So you you don't need to use a lot to give you so many awesome things. I mean, I could go on like top five. You've got peppermint gum, which is just like, you know, um, <laughs> got aniseed myrtle. Like, you know, the myrtles in general are amazing in their own right. You know, cinnamon myrtle, aniseed myrtle, and then lemon um, cinnamon and aniseed they're just so cool they give you so many different kind of textures cinnamon will give you like a sweet finish but still have a myrtle flavor um, aniseed gives you licorice and all of these come from a leaf from leaves and then you got cinnamon and then you've got your lemon myrtle that we all know about which is mm. most probably the most common you know spice out there but people don't realize on how cool it is like you know you can just use it as an alternative because I use it as an alternative for lemon rind because um, I don't like lemon rind because it sometimes is bitter if I use things like lemon myrtle that gives you a tang like vibrant and fresher flavor I don't know there's so many things so many so many amazing amazing natives that we can be starting to use Mm. like you know I, I would really like to see Warrigal Greens in supermarkets, you know, in the next couple of years. It's an amazing Australian spinach that, you know, grows like wildfire. And I think, why are we not having it in the shelves? And, you know, it doesn't wilter down to nothing. Speaking of Indigenous ingredients or native ingredients, your drinks list, which we touched on earlier, is very impressive. And I particularly was intrigued by the green antini. Do you want to just tell me a little bit what a green ant tastes like and what else you've got on your list there that's using some Ooh, of your green ant. Okay. Well, green ant, if you remember what sherbet tastes like. Yeah. So green ants is like that. You know, when the seasons come for the ants, they when their bums are big is when, <laughs> when they get all the good tanginess, you know. Green ants is like big market now. Green ants is like, they're like gold, basically. $500 a kilo. But you get a lot out of yeah. one little tip of your nail but they're so flavorsome you mm. know they, they carry so much flavor and you know seven seeds has come out with a really beautiful green ant basically an ant gin green ant gin seven seasons is a great product a great indigenous owned um, liquor company that is making liquor out of native produce from green ants to yams as well traditional yams that i think a yam vodka and they have a bush apple gin as well like I said at the start, is that I really want to represent Australia in the best way that we can. And I think we're doing some amazing things, not just in food, but in our alcohol as well. And making it a positive twist to it. People don't tend to see Indigenous companies uh, hook up with liquor companies to, you know, do things because it's very taboo to talk about it, you know, in the sense. But we have so many great opportunities and, and people to use that are using amazing bush ingredients well, native ingredients to make so many awesome things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a market there now, Norni. I think people are, are asking for it and want to try this and want to learn. Yeah, and, and we just, like, you know, my rule is they have no option. This is what we've got, you know. <laughs> like someone can't come in here and say, can I have a Jamison's? No, the only whiskey we have here is Australian whiskey. 
I think that's what you need. That's how sometimes you have to do things. And that's how people get outside of their comfort zones and try something else because we need to be showcasing how amazing our country is too, you know, and I want to represent that. We curated our drink list as much as we did our food list. We're using people that are doing amazing things from small little like, you know, female brewers to environmentally conscious growers that are doing really awesome things as well. And I think that is, you know, one of my was one of my favorite things to do. I guess Noni as well, you know, what started off is a very small, like you were saying, condiments business, and it just seems to be growing and growing and growing, which I guess reflects maybe what we were chatting about earlier in that people are really embracing the kind of Australian flavors and exploring what else they can include in the pantry. So do you want to just give us a little run through of how you started off and how you went from a little market stall and where you've ended up now? Well, I mean, like when I first started off, like, you know, native ingredients were something that was not accessible. I wanted to make it affordable as well. And I wanted to make it, put it on the market in the sense that everybody can enjoy, not just like if you've got a few coins in your pocket. So, And I wanted it to get away from the superfood element. Yeah, there are so many great things that these native ingredients give you too. But I mean, like, so has every other things over time. But I just wanted to, it to be a natural part of us. I wanted it to come from us and us to embrace it. So starting from a small market stall where it was like an education every single day, you know, you had to educate people the whole entire time. There were a few people like, I don't even know, are you a Caribbean stall? <laughs> Like, you know, they like half of people didn't even know where the Torres Strait is. Oh, and they still, most of them still don't. <laughs> but it's okay. We have a spiel for that. It was like constantly education, like, you know, of, of running through people from a market stall. I actually have a very big catering arm to, to our business. And I went from that sort mm. of and people asked me for more food and, and they wanted to have more food from us and and I was like, oh, wow, okay. And I had this opportunity to leave the market technically because somebody wanted my spot. <laughs> somebody wanted my spot at the market. And I was like, well, I want to do bigger things. I, I like, I needed more space. And it was, it was by chance that Yarraville came up. I think, you know, for, for us at Mabu Mabu, we move very quickly on things. <laughs> like I viewed Yarraville, our first cafe, I viewed it that day and by that weekend we had the paperwork and we were going to move in then about I think it was about a month later we opened up and when I started at the market when I started as a condiment business again it was just one of those off the cuff things <laughs> that happened and then I didn't think I would get a spot at the market I just we just applied for it and then they were like yes can you bring all your products in and we had <laughs> we had we had no products, so I uh, I had to make every product <laughs> that we were going to put on the shelves. So yeah, I we basically made a design, <laughs> a like our name <laughs> and our brand, <laughs> all in two weeks, and all of the products that we needed to put on the shelves. Norni, when you said you moved quickly, you weren't kidding. Yeah, so we moved very quickly because. Um, <laughs> I think that the, if the opportunity is there, you know, I have time to sleep when I'm old, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, let's just see. Let's just do it straight away. And um, we did almost a similar process in Yarraville where we were basically just waiting for them to give us, like, our certificate so we could open the door. <laughs> we moved very quickly there and we we have expanded very quickly. 
but that's because it's a great progression and it's mm-hmm. the right progression mm-hmm. we do work fast but we also know that we're ready and if we're not we'll get there <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to represent i wanted the business to represent people like me i don't mean that like Torres Strait Islanders or just Indigenous people. I just think people like me who have worked in the industry a very long time, you know, I didn't work under any special kind of chef or anything like that. I just wanted to showcase that ordinary people can do amazing things and also just have a different kind of representation of people around. Yeah. I can relate to many different households. You know, I, I don't just relate to one type of person. I relate to a lot, many and um, my upbringing is just a testament to my culture of us being very multicultural and, and how we like to be a part of, you know, a community. And, and that community crosses over so many broad things for me, from whether or not it's Indigenous, our queer community, our, our female community, but also like, you know, my hospitality community as well. And, and our brand represents that. It is one of the, the best things I think I've ever achieved we encompass like so many people from all different walks of life. And to finish off today, I guess, where to from here? I mean, are we going to be seeing a wattle seed latte standing next to your flat white in your normal Melbourne cafe? I mean, what do you we already We already sell wattle seed lattes. <laughs> um, we, we, when we opened Yarraville, we started, we already do wattle seed lattes out there. We make a wattle seed hot chocolate as well. And we make our own chai as well with native ingredients. Where else are we going to go? There is so many things. I'm putting out a couple more new products this year, which I try to do now and introduce a couple more things that I really love. Uh, There's so many things I want to do. You just never know where we're going to go from here. Well, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm intrigued. I'm excited. I can't wait for it. Keep watch over the space. You know, I grew up with a single father who got sick very early on and he never got to live out his dreams, you know, of what he wanted to probably, what he could have achieved. And I think for me, I'm achieving what he would have probably wanted to do. So I'm, I want to double achieve things. You know, uh, I think dreaming is an amazing thing to do as long as you put them into action as well. I love it. Thanks so much, Norni. I really, really appreciate you joining us. That was such an interesting chat. Thank you very much. You guys have a lovely day and come visit us. So go on, you heard Norni, go visit, book a table, buy something on the website. Keep your tummy happy until next week's episode of the Melbourne Digest podcast. Bye.